uh, coming in in three, two. Sorry, I got to yawn. I was about to come in. <laughs> like, this. what a terrible. <laughs> Bring it in. Read option back here uh, as we get ready for week two in the NFL. Uh, we have a whole lot going on. Vito is from his car right now. He's joining us via phone in his car uh, somewhere in the uh, the back roads of Ohio. Scotty is might have to leave us depending on how long we go to go pay homage to his, his in-laws to go bend the knee as uh, as they say. And, uh, and and your boy's running on basically no sleep. So uh, this is probably going to be a little bit of a weird pod, boys, here. But, I, you know, what's fun is we got a whole lot of football to talk about, including an absolute thriller of a game tonight on Thursday night that's coming up in just a few hours as we're recording this. And, Vito, I'd be remiss if we didn't start with you and your Broncos on Monday night, who uh, I'm sorry, buddy. It was a rough one. It, it's just one of those moments. It's your first time, right? For new head coach, first game, and he messed up. I mean, he he made the wrong call. I I don't know why you take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands on a fourth and five at his own old stadium. I love Brandon McManus. I think everyone by now has seen the statistics about how often those kicks are made. I mean, he had the leg, but right when you're kicking that long, it's tough to be accurate. I just I don't know. And then and then I don't know if you guys saw this, right? He came out and joked. Like the, the whole cliff, right? There was a sound clip of him saying, and, and a lot of, if you just read it, it's it kind of incorrect. It says like, yeah, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, we should have gone for it, right? Well, the audio clip when he's talking, he's like, well, yeah, now in hindsight, like, because it didn't go in. Yeah, we should have kicked it, right? I mean, you know, and then he goes into his explanation. I don't think he's actually apologetic about it. He's like, the 46 was our mark. You know, we got there. Um, so we kicked it, you know, and that was it. And he like basically didn't back down from that standpoint. And I'm really upset about it, man. I feel like as a head coach, I would have loved him at actually admit he's wrong. I feel like he kind of got the pass by some fans because, you know, it came out in an article. But I'm telling you what, man, that guy does not seem apologetic about his mistake there. And in the whole game, right, it's easy to focus on that. We had two fumbles on the one-yard line. Yeah. That just that team, we should have won that game. We didn't. And if that comes back to bite us at the end of the year, you know, that, that would be hugely disappointing. But you feel for Russell Wilson in that scenario because he didn't play a bad game. So, you know, it's just tough. You know, he had the – he was on the bad side where they were on the one-yard line. He threw it. He threw the pick in the Super Bowl. And now he's on the one-yard line twice. They are handing it off, and they fumbled twice. Like, he can't win <laughs> on the goal line, man. I don't know. No, I I mean, I'll say this. I didn't hate – I hated the clock management more than I hated the decision to go for the game. Yeah. I'm with um, you, Jeff. And McManus even put out a tweet on Tuesday morning saying, like, I told them what mark I needed to get to. They got to the exact mark that I said on the right hash that I wanted. I missed the kick. I need to make that kick. And, you know, it, we we do this a lot in sports media. We play the results and we crucify somebody one way or the other. If he makes the kick, you know, it's – Wow, it was a gutsy call on his part. If he doesn't make the kick, then he's an idiot. And he's an easy target because he's a first-time head coach. Um, he's a very fun, high-energy guy. Him, when His interview on part of my take was 
one of my favorite coach interviews I've ever heard. Like he, he's legitimately is that likable and um, charismatic. And I think people like that too. It's like, Oh, okay. Well maybe spend less time doing interviews and trying to be the funny guy and, you know, crack that whip more and, and be more the hard ass coach. Um, I mean, I get it still, but week one is always weird. I said this going into it. I remember I picked Seattle to cover because week one Monday night is always weird. In addition to like, there's no routine yet set for these guys in terms of getting in, playing a game, waking up, going to practice, all that stuff. And then on top of it too, you don't even get that Sunday kick. You kind of wait until that Monday night. And, you know, people said a lot of Russell Wilson revenge game kind of stuff. Like he wants to show out against his old team based off of the crowd reaction in Seattle and based off of the reaction of the players, it was as much a revenge game for the Seattle Seahawks in the way that he kind of sneaked his way out of Seattle than it was, you know, anything else, which Scotty, I know you have your hatred for Seattle fans, but. Oh, it's too ridiculous to boo him. First of all, he's the greatest quarterback, greatest player that ever graced your pathetic franchise up in the Northwest. So get over yourselves. And then on top of that, why don't you boo the, the front office? who didn't do enough to put anything around Russell, Russell Wilson to win you more ball games. I mean, get out of here with that on the football field. And then to boo him after all he's done in, for, for your community, get out of here, Seattle. Just, just a pathetic classless display. I'm with you on the community side of it. But other than that, I'll be honest. I've been kind of out on Russell Wilson for a while. And I've like alluded to it. And I think in my quarterback rankings, I, I've said it before, too. I don't know, man. Anytime he's gotten the range, like his numbers didn't look bad, but he completed, I think it was like 12 passes before he completed one to a wide receiver in the first, in in the first half of this game. Yeah. And then the first one was was a 50 yard touchdown to Jerry Judy. (laughs) Yeah. And that was a great play, but Jerry Judy also, you know, turned on the after jets and it was, it was an unbelievable like play by, by, by Judy. Um, And it was was underthrown. Yeah. Point that ball was underthrown, and Jerry Judy had to yeah throw a defender to the ground to, to get that touchdown. If he threw it out there, it would have been an easy catch and run. Yeah, I just I didn't think Russ looked particularly good. If I'm just if I'm just not being honest, and I don't think he has now for three years. Um, and and I hope for your sake, Vito, I do hope he's able to turn it around. But I think the whole Mister Unlimited shit and the way he carries himself and this like bionicle man persona that he has, like I don't know, man. I think it rubs people the wrong way. Who are and and say what you will, Scott, and I get it. He did a lot for that franchise. He leaked the trade request going into last season. Remember the four teams that he was willing to go to, and then he forced his way out. Like that wasn't like a oh, like like we said before, Nick Foles leaves Philly after winning a Super Bowl and goes somewhere else. You know, this was like Russell Wilson didn't want to be in Seattle anymore, and I get it. If you're them, say hey, you don't want to be here anymore. Hey, thanks for the chip. But when you come here, week one. We're giving you fucking hell in the loudest stadium. You've always had quiet offenses when you've played in this stadium. Now you're going to get the what the other team has well, to do noi- when you come The here. noise is one thing, but booing him, disrespecting the man, get out of here with that. That's ridiculous. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pathetic fan base that's trying to make up for the fact that their ownership and their front office can't put anything around Russell Wilson to make them better. I mean, but they, they'll praise head coach Pete Carroll is just going to run the ball 72 times a game. Get out of here. They won a Super Bowl. The hell with they Seattle. Did, I'm done did, with them. They did a ton around him. They went out and got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and put him ar- around them. They drafted a running back in the first round. You know, they didn't do enough on the offensive line. That I'll give you. But I don't know. Uh, either way, it was an awesome game. 
Gino Smith, Smith is back. <laughs> Gino Smith looked great in the first half, and that's about all that he could. He's like, I gave you everything I had in the first half. The rest <laughs> of it's going to be on the defense, boys. And credit to this- Seattle, like Shelby Harris making big time plays in the interior defensive lineman on those goal line stands, and then obviously the the two fumbles were the, were the killer. But it was a really good game. It it, it really was. Yeah, as a Broncos fan, right, the high side is, listen, new coach, new quarterback, it's going to take a while for them to get in sync anyway. We move the ball well. You just couldn't punch it in at the end. You know, we, we just kick field goals on both of those we win. On one of those fumbles we win, and that's that's football, right? It comes yeah. down to turnovers and scoring in the red zone, and we didn't get it done. But you know what? I'm really excited as a Broncos fan to at least know that, like, you could tell this offense just looking at it, looking at a dysfunctional version of this offense is better than any version of a good offense we had last year. So yeah, still a lot of positives to take away from this game. Well, and I think that's a really good point, Vito. And I think that's the way that Broncos fans should look at it. They, they played honestly a really good football. Javante Williams, obviously the, the fumble because he fumbled one and Melvin Gordon fumbled one, right? Or did Javante fumble? Correct. both? No, yeah. So, no, so they each, they each fumbled one. I thought Javante Williams looked fantastic. Um, and they made it clear. Like he is the lead back. You know, it's it's a 65-35, 70-30 type split between him and Melvin Gordon. And when Melvin Gordon got in, he looked really good, too. Um, the wide receiver stuff, uh, obviously, it was nice to see Jerry Judy have an explosive play. I feel like that's the first time in his career that I was like, shit, Jerry Judy made a fucking awesome fucking touchdown play. You know, he's had moments here and there. Uh, didn't really get Cortland Sutton involved at all. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, was, I was impressed with what I saw. And if it gives you any consolation, it was the first time since 2005 that a team fumbled twice on the goal line in the same game. So I don't think that this is going to be ha- happen often. I think it was a weird Monday night football game in Seattle playing Russell Wilson's old team in a hostile environment. Um, and one team was playing with a massive, massive chip on their shoulder and out, you know, they, you know, they, they fought out, they punched out of their white weight class and, and they got a knockout for it. And, um, it was just – I thought it was a really entertaining game. Plus, I loved Buck and Aikman on, on the broadcast. I thought they were phenomenal. I also love the follow-up with they're now on Scott Van Pelt's show, right, after the game. Like, yeah. Just, just – I love the fact that they're the guys who he's talking to. It was really fun. Aikman going off about the Cowboys a little bit, which is great. But, you know, the other thing I was going to say, Scotty, I was wondering why this happened. As I was watching the game, I was like, fourth and five, we got to go for it. I'm like, fourth and five, why is that burning my mind? I remember Penn State's fourth and five against Ohio State. There's so many of these moments where I'm like, oh, man, fourth and five now is like my curse. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It only comes up when you see it, and uh, and it's, it's sort of a trigger. Yeah, I'm with you there, though. The fourth and five as a fan is not fun to watch. No, no, never. I mean, fourth and anything will give you anxiety. Um, I will update everybody since I did at the end of the pod, and I don't know how many people hung around for the end on our picks from last week, including the uh, the Seattle game. Uh, Scotty finished 10-7 and seven week one. Vito finished 2-15, and 15, and I finished 9-8. and eight. Um, Overall, with the college football this year, Scotty is 13-8. and eight, I'm sorry, 13-9. and nine. Vito is three and twenty-one, and I am sixteen and fourteen. So, guys, uh, I'm taken for the first round pick. I just want to make that known. Oh <laughs> uh, well, maybe we need to do another bet for whoever comes in last this year. I don't know. That's unfair Ooh. since it's unfair since we already started and Vito's got a giant hole. But 
uh, and we still haven't paid off the bet from last year. Gaping Vito. hole. Yes, I still owe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's uh, until Tanya, I climb out of this hole, this, the, the bet from last year gets worse. I don't know. Every every month that get that goes by, the quality of golf course has to go up. Yeah, I was going to so say, we're building up season, to congressional. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, by the end of football season, it's going to be like, so Augusta or what are we, what are we talking Double about Double beach, here? yeah. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I like it. All inclusive, uh, boys, now, Kenny. <laughs> all inclusive. Well, let's turn our attention to week number two. Uh, best game of the week for sure is tonight. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are a four-point favorite at home. Uh, obviously the chiefs offense looked absolutely dynamic in week one Chargers offense had its moments looked really good at some points. Um, second half of that game against the Raiders, as we talked about on Monday, on Tuesday's pod, uh, wasn't their best performance, but again, we saw enough there from, from Justin Herbert where he looked, he looked good. Um, and I think we're going to see more of that, uh, right off the bat here, um, how much do you think changes in terms of how these teams looked from, from week one to week two? Do we see similar stories or, or do you think either one of these teams were a flash in the pan or didn't show as much as they could have shown in week one? Now, I think for, for the Chargers on the defensive side of the ball, they were really good at, at, uh, at shutting down the run. Uh, they're not going to need to worry about that as much this week. So maybe they get lucky. They drop an extra guy or two in coverage. Uh, which which sort of helps out, or you know, spy Mahomes or or uh, contain on on one of the backs that are that are good out of catching the ball out of the backfield as well. So um, I think they're they're going to be solid on defense uh, and and take another step forward. Obviously, Mahomes with the five touchdowns last week, but uh, you know they've played these guys enough uh, uh, with Mahomes there at the at quarterback. So defensively, I think if you can if you can even. Uh, replicate or or be uh, three quarters of what you were uh and and just contain them i think the offense is going to be potent enough to score enough points to beat uh kansas city tonight yeah i i think on the that's what's going to be interesting is this great chargers rush i mean it was great already you had cleo mack he showed up big time with three sacks i'm worried about what's going to happen on kansas city's offense um you know mahomes pushed the ball deep for sure a couple times there and I'm more wondering, are we going to see a lot of screens with Edwards Alaire out the backfield? Something to slow down that pass rush. I think that's going to be the biggest concern for this Chiefs offense and probably the overall game. And then, you know, the Chiefs secondary is going to have to hold up. I, it's hard when, the you know, the Chiefs have been so good for so long, but I feel like I'm, I'm jumping on the bow that everyone else is that, you know, I'm leaning on the Chargers a bit here, just looking at all the matchups up and down. I, that's just my feel. I, I don't know. Am I too high on this defense here, Jeff, on the, on the Chargers? Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, look, the Raiders' offensive line is bad, just flat-out bad. Um, and the Chiefs' offensive line is arguably one of the top three in football. I would say the, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and then you'd probably talk either Detroit, Cleveland, a couple teams like that that are in the mix for those top offensive lines, whereas the Raiders are in the very, very bottom half. So I, I'm fascinated to watch the line of scrimmage in this game. I don't think Khalil Mack, who, you know, look, sometimes changes scenery, right? We just saw it with Von Miller when he left Denver, goes to the Rams. He's got this resurgent. People think, oh, Von Miller, he's on the downswing. And then what does he do when he goes to the Rams? And now with Buffalo, he looks completely different than he did uh, in Denver. And same thing could be the case for Khalil Mack, which, you know, looked unbelievable in in 
Oakland at the time with the Raiders and then goes to Chicago, has a couple good seasons there and then looked kind of older and, and not as explosive. What's he doing his first game with the Chargers? Oh, yeah. Two and a half sacks, forced fumble. Um, and I think he and Joey Bosa combined for 16 quarterback pressures last week. So uh, I don't think he's going to look that good again tonight, but I do think Bosa is as good. He's Bosa is unbelievable. Uh, and Khalil Max obviously really good on the other side. So I, I'm fascinated to watch that matchup in the trenches between the offensive line for the Chiefs uh, and the Chargers. But you got to remember, too, it's, it's not Derek Carr on the other side. It's Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes, for as unbelievable as a passer he is, and we always know how athletic he is, his escapability um, and, and his awareness is, is Brady-esque, but in a much better athlete. You know, Brady always had that great pocket awareness. Um, Mahomes is unbelievable at escaping pressure, rolling out, and still making a play when it seems like there's no chance the play is going to get made, uh, and, and not just tucking it and running it, but still keeping his eyes downfield. I'm more worried about the Chargers offense because I think this Chiefs defense is pretty legit. Um, they themselves have improved them on the defensive line a lot. Uh, and there's no Keenan Allen in this game. Keenan Allen's not coming back from the hamstring injury. Uh, there's also no JC Jackson. At least he's questionable as of now, um, but it doesn't look like he's going to be playing tonight. Or if he does, he's going to be banged up. And he hasn't played yet this season. He didn't play in week one. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about the Chargers defense ha- holding on in this game. Um, but at the same time, if the Chargers defense can generate enough pass rush, then that might be able to equalize it a little bit. I think it'll still be a good game. I'm definitely leaning the Chiefs uh, to win, and I think the Chiefs end up winning by a touchdown uh, and covering the four-point spread. So um, right off the bat, that's my pick. I'll throw it to you guys and uh, and who you're taking. I feel like I know where Scotty's going uh, because for whatever reason, uh, we know what his his quarterback take is in this in this battle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Justin Herbert is the greatest quarterback in the league, but uh, that doesn't dismiss the fact that Patrick Mahomes is 3-1 and one against the spread on Thursday Night Football. It's Chiefs by six. Interesting. Man, I want to pick the Chargers, but I've been so bad at picks, I might have to go. Ch- I'm going to stay with the Chargers. I don't know why. Um, oh, man, no, you know what? No, I think I – think, uh, Man, I'm flip flopping. This is what this is what rattles you when you're two and fourteen and you have no confidence in yourself. <laughs> uh, let, let's go ahead and go with the Chiefs. Um, and and no, no. What's the spread for? Spread is four. Four point spread. I'm going Chargers. I'm sticking with my original gut, and uh, we'll just we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping the pass rush gets through, and we'll see how that goes. The over-under is a little tasty here, too. It's set at 54. Um, I would be all over that if Keenan Allen wasn't hurt, but I think that's going to really hurt this Chargers offense tonight. Um, and I don't think I'm they're going to be particularly – uh, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run of Kansas City, who you know sneakily had a really, really good day against uh, Arizona. The other thing I'm worried about, too, for the Chargers defense, who covers Travis Kelsey in this game? Derwin Jackson, I guess you put him one on one, but then you're losing one of Durin your best. James, yeah. or sorry, Derwin James, um, and then you're, but then you're losing one of your best players if you're just, you know, having him shadow Kelsey all over the place. So, um, I don't know. I think it's gonna be a really, really fun game. I like Kansas City, but um, you know, I think I think it'll be close. I do. I think it'll come down to to the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic there. Uh, all right, let's move to the Sunday slate, and from the best game of the week to which probably one of the worst games of the week, uh, the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. 
right now, the Browns are a six and a half point favorite at home. Um, weirdly enough, I'm kind of leaning towards the Jets. And I'll try to make the case for you guys, and then you guys can tell me why that's really dumb. Um, the Jets played really, really solid defense against Baltimore last week, particularly in stopping the run, right? Uh, that's all that Cleveland has. If, if, if you turn this into a game where Jacoby Brissett has to throw the ball all over the place because you're stacking the box and your big uglies up front and Robert Sala schemes up to stop that run, and you say, if we're going to lose, it's going to be because of Jacoby Brissett, uh, that's a pretty good recipe. And the Jets did that with the most explosive runner in the league last week with Lamar Jackson, holding him to 17 yards rushing. And the only way that they got burnt was Lamar Jackson throwing the football. So I feel like a similar game plan is going to come up here where it's like, hey, if, if we lose this game, it's going to be on the arm of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I have no confidence in the Jets offense. Uh, and I have even less confidence knowing that they're going up against a really, really good pass rush and a really good team in the Cleveland Browns defensively. Though the Browns didn't look as dynamic defensively in week one as I thought. So I think there's a world where this is just a weird, ugly game. I don't think red zone is going to show this game at all, but like a 13 to 10 type of game where the Browns somehow manage out a field goal at the end and you're getting six and a half points. I think I like the New York jets, but you guys tell me whether I'm an idiot or not. I mean, Jeff, you're not, I like the take on the defense and stopping the run. And, and that's where the Jets have drafted well. They develop players well. Um, I really like, you know, I, I like a lot of things going on in the Jets, especially on the defensive side. But I just don't think Joe Flacco can can really get it going. I really liked what I saw from the Browns defense last week. Uh, the corners were playing tough. Um, now, yeah, they had a couple, you know, they let Baker have a big play here and there. Um, and, and they got to tighten that up. But, I personally think that it's going to be the Browns defense that makes the difference. The spread is a lot. Six and a half is a lot. So, you know, I think Browns win. That's a lot of points to cover, man. That's a lot of points to cover. And especially to your point, Brissett played really, really well. Can he follow it up and do it again? That's tough, but you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Browns cover um, and, and just because of their defense and, and their ability. You know what, Jeff? I'm with you. I'm going to take the Jets because for all your quarterback concerns, Vito, the last time these two played each other, Mike White threw for 405,000 yards uh, <laughs> uh, against the, a good Cleveland defense that wasn't, uh, wasn't banged up. Uh, and, you know, give Joe Flacco uh, whatever you want, but uh, six and a half is a lot for me. Uh, I, I'm with you, Jeff. I think the Jets are going to do a, a good job on defense of, of shutting down the run and forcing Jacoby Brissett to to make a play. Uh, I don't trust that. I don't trust that with six and a half for sure. I'm with you on the Jets. Yeah, I um, it, it'll it'll be. I don't know. I, I I this it's a weird game. And you said something there, Vita, too. I want to touch on like yeah, Jacoby Brissett. I think exceeded expectations for what he did in that game against Carolina. Um. I wouldn't say he played really well, but I, I do think he exceeded expectations as to what we thought he could do. Um, but even still, I, I don't know. I, I like, I mean, and, and sauce Gardner looked pretty good in week one. I know he got burnt a couple times, but I don't know. I don't love anybody on, on Cleveland's wide receiver core either. So 
I know Donovan Peoples-Jones has had sparks. I think Amari Cooper looked incredibly disappointing. Uh, and Vito, you brought that up yourself uh, on, on Tuesday. So, so uh, I know I can see this game going either way. I just think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. Um, and I don't know if there's going to be enough points scored to really separate any, you know, the Cleveland from, from New York to, to cover that spread. Uh, all right, let's go to the Washington football team or Washington commanders or Washington commies, Washington Seawards, uh, whatever you want to call it, going to Detroit and Ford Field where the Detroit Lions gentlemen are a one and a half point favorite at home. Which wow, was a, a surprise happy for that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know wild. for sure, but this has to be the first time they've been favored in a minute, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, 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 I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the Lions. I'm excited to watch this team because I really didn't want – I mean, obviously I watched them last week, but, it, you know, I, I can't say that I was actively rooting for them, and, and I kind of want to root for this Lions team. And I'll tell you what, uh, Dan Orlovsky, who I know is obviously a little biased when it comes to the Lions, but – he laid out a really, really good case as to why he thought the Lions were going to be a pretty good team this year after week one. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown was getting open a lot against two really good cornerbacks last week in Philly. Uh, the offensive line is legitimately really, really, really good. Uh, the defense, I think, is is phenomenal. I think they're going to be able to get after. I mean, if they created that much pressure against one of the best offensive lines in football in the Philadelphia Eagles, what they, I can't imagine what they're going to be able to do against a really poor Washington Commanders offensive line. And Carson Wentz is going to be running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, I love Detroit in this game. I absolutely love Detroit. I think Washington got away by the seat of their pants on Sunday. And I think Detroit's going to come out there and smack Washington in the mouth. Bueller. Anybody want to hop in here? <laughs> I'll go ahead and hop in. Uh, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me, I want to root for the Lions, but it's a win like that gets a team going sometimes. What the commanders had last week, right? Getting getting that comeback that can really rally a team, make you feel better about yourself. And on the flip side, right, the Lions came back, but they weren't able to finish it out. And that's that can be demoralizing. They've been there, obviously. If you watch Hard Knocks, it's all about closing out games, getting the win, you know. Uh, and you could do whatever Dan Campbell, you know, demonstration you want, but it, it's tough. Now, I do think, again, you know, it's early enough to where I, this is the game. And I think, I love when we say must wins, right? I don't think anything is a must win this early, but I think for the morale of that team, to get a win this early would be huge at home. I, I like their playing home again, right? I believe it's in Detroit. Um, and, uh, and I, I just really hope they can win. What, one and a half, I believe. I'll take the Lions just because, again, I think it's more because I'm rooting for them. And I think in the same way, you know, the overperformance aspect, I love the receivers that, that you know, the, uh, the commanders have. Um, but, you know, I, I think this Lions defense will do enough and, and the offense can score enough to offset that. So, yeah, I'm taking Lions. Yeah, the problem with, with the Lions for me this week is – that look look at what philadelphia did to them last week right two good receivers who burned the secondary uh, in, in uh aj brown and and Devontae smith who was largely used as a decoy but still had a, a pretty decent game running the x watching just the zero same catches thing. for zero yeah. yards but he was a yeah, decoy but, but i mean like as a, a as lot. A, yeah that's what i mean yeah. um and 
Washington last week somehow proved that with Terry McLaurin and uh, Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, which is a big part of the offense, uh, they got enough speed to burn that secondary. They've got a mobile quarterback. So does Philly. Uh, Well, relatively mobile. I mean, Jalen's a little more mobile than Carson Wentz, but uh, still, I think those are the things that make the difference uh, in, in, in a game against uh, a tough fighting NFL defense, but uh, one with uh, a little less, uh, or a little more to be desired in the talent department. I think it's Washington by one and a half here, or more than one and a half here. You think Washington covers? Yeah. All right. Uh, and then that takes us down to an, our uh, our first divisional matchup of. Oh no, I guess we had AFC West. So uh, another divisional matchup: Tampa Bay going up against their kryptonite in the New Orleans Saints. Um, this game is in New Orleans, and yet Tampa Bay is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm very curious to see this game because I feel like Tom Brady physically looked good. Like the arm strength, um, for the most part in that Sunday night game was all pretty impressive. But there was something about the body language and kind of the way he was talking after the game. Um, and I heard Chris Long mention something about this too, where he kind of gave off the energy of like, shit, like I'm maybe I should have stayed retired. <laughs> and I I couldn't put my finger on it watching the game, but I was like, yeah, something does kind of feel different about Brady. And when Chris Long kind of put it that way, I was like, you know what? That actually may not be the worst take. That actually might be the it could be, or it could be completely wrong. And he'll come out and light it up here. Um, he also has not played well in night games. Uh, traditionally over the last couple of uh, seasons with his older age uh, and how, how early he goes to bed and all the TB12 stuff. Um, Vito, you, your saints and Jameis obviously come back from uh, a tough game uh, in, uh, in Atlanta and somehow find a way to win that one. Can they do it against Tampa Bay? I think so. Uh, This, this saints team, if they, you know, Jameis has got to push the ball a little more earlier, right? We saw what he could do in the fourth quarter, but what can he do earlier? Got to get Kamara involved a little more. Um, you know, I have some concerns on the defense. We talked about Marcus Davenport last last pod, right? I mean, these guys have to – something's got to happen here. We, we got to get a little more pressure. But outside of that, I think the Saints can really do it. Um, now, I think that this divisional game early, two opponents that know each other well, maybe I'm just t- – I hungry, but this is a perfect appetite for a tie. Late game, um, I could see some kicking woes happening, and I'm really expecting a close game, if not a tie. Uh, you know, if there's a tie, I'm going to petition the boys for maybe a, uh, an extra point out of this week, but we'll see. Um, and and I, I think I'll have the Saints. What, what's the official spread on that one? Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay is uh, minus two and a half on the road. Two and a half point favorite yeah, on the road. I will take the Saints um, and, and, and them to win. Uh, I, and I do – I really liked what I saw from Tampa Bay offense. Um, I like that defense. This is, again um, – I don't know. I just got to go back to go with my gut and see if, if it's terrible after another week, then I'll switch this up. But I'm, I'm going to stick with the Saints. This is tough, man, because the Bucks are 1-7 uh, in their last eight meetings uh, against the Saints. Um and the underdog is 4-0 and against the spread uh, in their last four meetings. I just, I, I don't think that the the offensive line of Tampa or of New Orleans is going to be enough to slow the defensive pressure that Tampa Bay is going to give them. And t- to me, that 
with two and a half, especially if that even means Tom Brady getting the ball in field goal range for suck up, like I'm, I I can't, I can't take new Orleans in that spot. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here to break Uh, the curse. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I just, I, part of that too, is I can't see Tom Brady losing again to new Orleans. Now, uh, the year they won the Super Bowl, I believe they played each other in the playoffs, right? They went 0-2 against them in the regular season, and then I believe they beat them in the, in the yeah. playoffs. Um, so that's where the one win comes from. So Tom Brady does have at least one win against uh, New Orleans. I'll, I'll be honest here. I don't think New Orleans is a very good team. And I I understand that, hey, week one's weird. Um they were one of those darling teams that people really started to kind of pick up on late. Dennis Allen's track record as a head coach is, is atrocious. And I know, Hey, Hey, he learned from Sean Payton and he just took over the same team and, and all this stuff. It's it, this isn't Sean Payton's team. You know, he's, he, he's gone. And I think a huge part of that success over Tampa Bay was a, the defense and the confidence that they've had walking in being like, Hey, you know what? We beat this team every time. Like we are their kryptonite. We can beat them anytime we take them. Uh, I don't see that continuing. And I, I don't know what it is. Obviously, the fourth quarter, if New Orleans plays like they did or even close to like they did in the fourth quarter against Atlanta, you know, they'll be a really good team. But Atlanta might end up being one of the worst four or five teams in the league this year record-wise. And they still arguably should have lost if it wasn't for an outrageous fourth quarter. I know that there's experience on that New Orleans defense. Uh, I love Demario Davis. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been a really good pro for a long time. Cam Jordan. Um, but that secondary outside of Marshawn Lattimore has lost a lot. Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, both gone. Uh, and I think Tampa Bay showed that, Hey, we can push the football. And even though I don't love Dallas, I think Dallas's defense is still pretty damn good. And the way that they were able to kind of bend, but not break in the red zone, I think they'll be able to get through, punch it in around the end zone and the red zone, um, for Tampa Bay. And I like Tampa Bay pretty comfortably here. Uh, I think Tampa Bay wins in a, in a big game and this is going to be a, uh, or, you know, I, I see it kind of going two ways too. either they, that happens or the streak continues. You know, I don't think this be, I don't see this as a particularly close game. And I think a lot of this, how Tampa Bay season goes um, might be indicative of kind of what happens in this game. I don't know. Body language and stuff. Love being a body language doctor, uh, but yes. I'm taking, I'm taking what? Tampa Bay. One quick note on that. I don't know if you guys saw this. Sean Payton had an interview with um, Colin Coward last week, and he's talked about Mahomes, and, and Colin asked him about Mahomes, and he's like, he's the best I've ever, ever evaluated. Wow. And he goes into detail about how he went to go work out Mahomes at Texas Tech in Lubbock where it's super windy, and he said Mahomes making all these throws like we've seen now in the NFL, right? Feet were planted. The ball went exactly where it needed to go. And he, he's uh, – Sean Payton told his team, we're, no one's seen him in town. He's like, we're getting on the – we're getting in the car and we're driving right to the airport. We're flying. We're continuing the tour. No one knows we are here. We found our next quarterback. And that, that year, as they were dropping, um, they picked 11th. And someone traded up to 10th. It was the Chiefs to pick Mahomes. And he said, we got one of our two guys, Mahomes or Lattimore. And that's how they ended up with Lattimore. But – he goes into detail. If, if you haven't watched it, it's a good little clip to check out. But uh, great to see Sean Payton working at least somewhere in the media because that guy is just a football genius. It's great to hear from him. Well, and the Dak Prescott injury is going to be such an easy, easy way for Jerry Jones to 
you know, oh, we lost 10, 10 games this year by Mike McCarthy, hire Sean Payton. Yep. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Anyone who thinks it's not going to happen, and I hate that because I don't want Sean Payton coaching in the NFC East. Um, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants Sean Payton on the Dallas Cowboys except for Cowboys fans, but I think, unfortunately, that's going to be sad. That's a great story, though. I feel like there's probably three or four guys like, you know, coaches and GMs like that in the NFL who had similar similar stories to that that Mahomes offseason because there were a few teams that were really, really in on him who loved what he did and obviously were entranced by him. But shout out to Kansas City, man. Um, they went out and made it happen. All right, uh, next game here. Carolina at the New York football Giants. Uh, Giants are a two-point favorite at home coming off of a big emotional win. Uh, they lose Wandale Robinson, who is their uh, rookie wide receiver. Aziz Ojolari is not playing. Kadarius Toney is questionable. Uh, and Kevon Thibodeau upgraded to questionable this week, which is actually a good sign for him after having that scary knee injury in the preseason. So we might see a Kevon Thibodeau uh, debut, though it doesn't seem likely. Uh, in terms of starters for Carolina, pretty clean uh, injury report for them. No one of, of note um, in that game. I don't know why, but I am leaning towards Carolina in this game. Um, I feel like they really found a groove after kind of the emotion after the first quarter, kind of the first half uh, of that Cleveland game. It felt like they kind of settled in and found a little bit of offense that worked. And I'll tell you what, like, I'm not a huge fan. I, I've said it before, this Giants team, I think they're super overrated. I think they got away um, and, and stole a win from Tennessee last week. Uh and honestly, if Fat Randy makes that kick, right, then we're talking about an 0-1 Giants team. Giants coming off of a big hangover. I'm leaning Carolina, but if anyone has a strong opinion other either way, I'm I'm open for discussion here. That's what a podcast is all about, after all. Yeah, Listen, I, I, I'm with you, but I yeah. just think that there's something about Saquon. I think that's where you're probably going to go to, Scotty. But if this running game, this Giants offensive line can continue, they can drag this thing and, and keep the possession slow, like the Browns did against – against the Panthers. Uh, Panthers had, you know, a couple big chunk plays in that fourth quarter, especially that touchdown pass. That that puts me to the world of the difference, but the Browns were able to go down on that defense pretty quickly, given there was a penalty that people said might have been unquestionable. But either way, they got it done. They made it happen. And uh, I, don't, I just don't know, you know, with that Giants offense, I think they can run the ball. But if they need to come back and, you know, march down the field and score – I don't have the same confidence in them. And I think Carolina can close out a game. Um, you know, they almost did basically just left a little too much time on it. I like Carolina. I like Baker. And I, I think that this is where they get their first win. Yeah, that would be true. If uh, Carolina could stop the run, they could not against Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I don't expect them to against Saquon. I think what we saw out of that offense last week, that offense has to run through him. Uh, they get one or two big plays on the back end, uh, like they did to uh, to Sterling Shepard or, or Richie James in the end zone. Um, I, I realize the depth is an issue at wide receiver for them, but Saquon out of the backfield helps alleviate a lot of that. Uh, don't believe in Daniel Jones, still don't, but I think they do enough uh, to to keep it rolling. So I'm on the Giants here. Yeah, I and I thought about that too because Saquon did. You know, the burst looked good. I know he had the two big runs, which made up like 75% of his rushing yards last week. Um, but he still broke two big runs, you know, like not not taking yeah. that away from him, you know. Uh, I will say, though, 
Carolina, I know, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland had one way to move the football and that was running the football last week. Uh, they had had a couple of big completions, Jacoby Brissett kind of throwing it up there, but for the most part, Carolina did pretty good at stopping the run. I was actually pretty impressed with how well they did managing not just one, but two really, really good um, running backs uh, considering what they could have done and have done to a lot of other teams. And they got burnt by the running backs in the passing game. It was the screen pass to you know Kareem Hunt that he ran for you know a 40-yard touchdown. Uh, so that's definitely obviously in the cards with Saquon here too. Um, but considering what – again, like and, – and look, it wasn't like they held him to like 50 yards rushing or anything. Um, but considering that like, hey, I think they have a fantastic offensive line and, and arguably the most dangerous backfield in the NFL – with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I thought Carolina was not too bad. And no, I, I was just going to add in one thing, Jeff. I, the one thing that they did that I'm interested to see with the, if the Giants pick up on it, they they put in an they put in an extra offensive lineman at tight end and ran right when they were just running the ball in eight nine man boxes. Uh, the Browns were against the Panthers, mm-hmm. and they are having a lot of success getting that extra big blocker against some, some smaller linebackers on that defense. I'm wondering if the Giants pick up on that. Hmm. And and kind of go on the same the same route because it's seemed to be really effective there in the third quarter. So um, just take a look at that this weekend as as we're watching the game. That's a good note. That's a good note from from Vito who was there in the, in uh, Carolina to watch that game. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with Carolina. Uh, I think Baker has a really good game. I felt like he got more comfortable as the game went on, uh, both throwing the ball and tucking and run. And I also think you know we see more of Christian McCaffrey this week. I think he got through the first game. I think he he looks healthy. He's not on the injury report, which is great. He was on it for week one. He's been a full participant at practice this week. So I think they let the leash go a little bit on Christian McCaffrey. And I think that's going to be a really big matchup problem for the New York Jets or Giants. So uh, I like Carolina here to, to, to cover. Um, all right, next up, New England at Pittsburgh. And this spread uh, – Based off of how both of these two teams played in week one is really surprising. New England is a two-point favorite on the road. And we saw saw what home dogs did last week. I think they covered like eight of the 11 or eight of the 12 games. Uh, I'm right now going to lean pretty hard on the Steelers. I know there's TJ Watt is out. Luckily for TJ Watt, no surgery. Uh, He's expected to only miss, uh, I believe, six to eight weeks which is great news for the Steelers when it seemed like he could have been out for the entire season. Who knows, you know, if this is going to be like a pain tolerance thing, like they're going to rehab it and then he won't be a hundred percent, but at least he'll get to play this season. Uh, that would seem pretty on, uh, on point there for, for TJ Watt too. And uh, just knowing the kind of, you know, competitor that he is, but I'll tell you what, even without TJ Watt, they still have came uh, cam Hayward. Uh, High Smith had three sacks last week and, Minka Fitzpatrick, last time I checked, is still on that defense. And after what we saw from the Patriots offense, I don't know how the Patriots are going to score in this game unless it's just running a million handoffs uh, to Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, And the defense wasn't anything to write home about either against Miami. And this Pittsburgh team has really, really good weapons on the outside. No Najee Harris. But other than that, like Mitchell Trubisky, they have a nice little running back room there. I think we'll see a little bit more of Tyler Warren, who has, you know, I told you guys he was one of my favorite players in the late rounds of the draft out of Oklahoma State. He got some reps in in week one, and uh, they actually used him in like a fullback role and two running back sets where he was out there as a lead blocker on certain plays. So I like Pittsburgh here, home dog, uh, and I, I I would call it my lock of the week, but um, 
Who knows? Maybe I'll end up doing that later. Where are you guys out on this one? So I'm going to fade. I, I'm going to fade, man. I'm going with the Patriots because I think they're going to be able to commit to the run. Uh, they're not going to need uh, their wide receivers to to be heroes against a, a pretty decent secondary. That includes Minka Fitzpatrick. No TJ Watt. They're going to have a lot of pass rush. And look, I know uh, that defense, that defensive line particularly, made a really smart quarterback look like he was lost last week in Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I think they kind of do a little bit of the same uh, with the passing game, but I think a lot of the ground game makes up for it. Bill Belichick likes to commit to the run after a loss like that, especially after they didn't have a good game on the ground. Uh, I think that's what does it for him. And and I, I believe in that offensive line, and I believe in the the two-headed monster they have at running back, well, three-headed monster they have at running back, uh, led by Damian Harris. So uh, I think he finds the end zone a couple of times. That would be a good prop. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Patriots, fading the public on this one. This is so hard for me. I don't like, just like Tom Brady, I don't like betting Bill Belichick to lose twice in a row. But this season is the season to do it, if at all. I mean, I'm going to stick with the Steelers because, you know, I, I just think that there's something different about this Patriots team. Yes, it's still the Patriots. I'm probably going to kick myself next week. But I think just to be an underdog at home, you played pretty well. You know, defense is still good. Even though TJ Watt, that defense is still pretty damn good. Um, you know, they played a decent amount of time there last week without them. And I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Steelers. And even though, you know, they're going to have to change up that offensive style, remember, this Patriots defense has some holes as well. So it's not the Patriots defensive hold. Um, and, and we'll see what kind of game plan comes from both of them. It is worth noting, too, because we did not talk about this on Tuesday's pod. Uh, Mac Jones got pretty banged up in that game. It's a back issue. All of his x-rays came back clean. Uh, but as of today, he is still listed as questionable to play this weekend, as is Trent Brown, the best offensive lineman. So even if Mac Jones does play and Trent Brown doesn't, that's going to drastically hurt that offensive line, New England, which is kind of like the one strong position group that I think we all feel pretty good about for New England, even though they did lose Shaq Mason this offseason. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a world. I mean, who is the backup in New England? Is it is it Brian Hoyer still? Yeah, I've. That's a good question. It might, I just, it might be. I, he's been the backup forever now. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. Uh, okay, so he, he, yep, Brian Hoyer. It is Brian Hoyer. All right. Uh, I'm looking at an article now. Mac Jones sat out today with an illness in addition to the back stuff. So, all right. So, I mean, he could be sick and have a bad back. Uh, not a great recipe to go up against a bad defense. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my uh, pit. Pittsburgh pick and Vito you took Pitt as well right yes sir all right that's two for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Scotty uh on the Patriots there next up here we have the Indianapolis Colts going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars oh oh and one for the Colts it's so beautiful seeing that just oh oh and one isn't it after week Ugh. one it's the first time I've seen it on paper. It's like when people get married and like, oh, my God, it's the first time I saw, you know, my last name changed on on, on the invitation. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. it's the first time I saw oh oh and one. And then we have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a heartbreaking loss. Indiana, uh, Indianapolis is a four point favorite on the road here. Uh, I was not super impressed with the Colts, but I think this is where we have to be careful, right, when we're picking these games, because if, if this was the week one matchup, 
this line probably would have been even bigger. And to be honest, you don't learn a ton in week one, uh, you know, as you do from before you say the teams play at all. So don't let the lines and, and how the public's going and, and pushing money. Jacksonville almost wins that game. The public money's been uh, much more on Jacksonville and has definitely driven that line down. Uh, the Colts still have a good offensive line. They still have arguably the best running back in football. Uh, they have an experienced veteran quarterback who didn't look great, but that fourth quarter and second half from Matt Ryan, he looked really good. Uh, Michael Pittman, however, has progressively gotten worse at practice this week due to injury. He went from limited participant all week to today. He did not practice at all. Might just be saving him up for the game. Uh, but I think that's going to be a really, really big factor because after um, after uh, Michael Pittman, who had nine catches for 120 yards and a touchdown in week one, uh, the team, the wide receiver room in particular, kind of drops off a little bit there. And I think Matt Ryan's going to need that. Uh, I'm pretty split on this one. I'm tempted to just take the home dog and take the home points and think this is going to be close. But I'm not 100% sure. Um, I also love this is a Doug Peterson, Frank Reich uh, coaching matchup. Reminds me, you know, oh, yeah. Philadelphia Eagles days. Uh, and I think there's a Frank Wright conversation that that will be had coming up here soon. Um, but Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce, both on the injury report, nobody in the injury report for Jacksonville. So right away, two wide receivers who saw obviously Michael Pittman Jr., but Alex Pierce or Alec Pierce, who saw significant time there as well. Um, I think I'm going to pick the Jaguars to cover, but um, Scotty's giving me this look. What was that going to be your pick, too? Yeah, man. Well, make the case. Make the well, make dude. The case. It's, it's it's easy. Well, first of all, the the Colts the Colts injuries uh, at wide receiver. Uh, look, I know they got Jonathan Taylor, but they did not have an easy time throwing the ball against a, a, a really not a great defense. They got better. They got Derek Stingley covering uh, some of those so, some of those receivers and Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield at points. Uh, but I, I'm not sold on that wide receiver room still. Uh, Jacksonville was a walk-in touchdown away uh, on the drop from Travis Etienne from making that a really close game on the road in Washington. I think they they do it here. Not to mention, if you want to get into betting stats, like the underdog is five and zero against the spread in the last five games. These two have played each other. The Colts are zero and seven against the spread in their last seven meetings in Jacksonville, and three and twelve and one in their last sixteen. Uh, the under also, if if you're looking for a prop, is 15 and seven in the last 22 meetings, and the home team is six and two in in the last nine. All of those signs, including how good the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think, are, uh, it, it points to me picking the Jaguars in this game. I'm I'm taking the Jags as well. Uh, what was that point spread? What what are they at now? Right now, the four. Jags are four point underdog. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll tell you why. I would even take him in a pick him. I think they're going to win this straight up because really Christian Kirk. I, I'm surprised. The Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, what Doug Peterson's going to do there, limiting penalties. This isn't the Jacksonville team from last year. The effect he has in the overall team. If they can limit mistakes, I think they can win this. Jonathan Taylor is going to have a day, right? That's going to happen. Can you limit the passing game? I really like Matt Ryan. Um, I even like Eddie's defense still. You know, at linebacker, they still some of the best players in the league. But there's something about plus four at home. You know, I definitely think that Jacksonville can at least cover that. I uh, I'm going to officially go with the Colts. Actually, I'm changing my I'm changing up a little bit. Wow. Uh, 
the Colts, Frank Reich has never won in Jacksonville in four years as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts has never won. There's nobody on the current Colts roster who has won in Jacksonville as a member of the, uh, as a member of the Colts. Um, Look, I, you know, sometimes going with that kind of stuff and just saying like, Hey, you know what? I have a feeling that we're just going to, we're going to see something a little bit different. Like it has to change at some point, right? The trends have to switch over eventually. I think the Colts played they're really. Due. Yeah, I think they're due. I think they played uh, very much under their caliber. I think they came out flat. Um, and you know what? I just, I trust Matt Ryan. I trust Jonathan Taylor to have a really, really big day. Uh, and it might be, there may not be a ton to suggest, but like, look, I mean, the Colts are a four point favorite for a reason. Cause before the season, I liked the Colts. I believe I had the Colts getting 11 or 12 wins uh, in the AFC uh, South, and I think they're going to get there. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, Bless you. So I'm going to fade you guys and fade the public. I'm going to take the Colts uh, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, interesting 1 o'clock matchup here. Last one of the 1 o'clock matchups that we're going to be hitting. The Miami Dolphins are going to Baltimore. And I'm very excited for this game. I think of the one o'clock window, this will be one of the games that I have, one of the full-time games I have on my TV. Obviously, Red Zone takes the the first place spot. Um, I'm excited for this one because it's a it's a legitimate test against a really good defense. And I don't think New England's defense is very good. I don't think Tua looked very good. And what's interesting is, is I had that take on on Monday night when we were recording it. And throughout the week, I've slowly heard more and more people kind of say the same thing I did, which makes me feel good because that felt like one of those, like, am I crazy here? Or like, why is everyone saying Tua looked amazing? Because I didn't see that. Uh, and it seems as though that's become more and more like people are like, yeah, Tua really didn't look that great. Now, of course, they have the skill position guys who are going to be really, really tough. Uh, Kyle Fuller t- tearing his ACL means that uh, Baltimore is going to be down another skill position or sorry another cornerback um which does not help when you're defending Tyreek Hill and uh Jalen Waddle but I think this Baltimore pass rush the linebacking core I don't think they're going to be able to run the football at all uh it's going to come down to tackling but on top of that too I don't know if we really saw a true glimpse as to what Miami's defense is going to look like this year I don't think the Patriots offense it was so dysfunctional that I don't think we know whether Miami's defense is good or not and I think what we saw was that hey Lamar Jackson wasn't able to run the way Lamar normally does, and yet he still had one of his best passing performances that we've ever seen him have. And if he's developed that side of it without being able to run, he's going to be able to run in a lot of games this year. And credit to the Jets for what they did to stop him last week. But I think Baltimore is going to be really good. I think the two touchdowns to Duvernay and then getting Rashad Bateman in the mix too, I think Bateman's going to continue to look really good. Mark Andrews had a kind of quiet day. I think he's going to be a matchup problem for Miami. I love Baltimore's uh, offense at home, and I like the defense to to put some pressure on Tua and force Tua to not just throw these little dump screens and and get the ball to Tyreek Hill, and then all of a sudden it looks like Tua had this great day when when he really didn't, and I don't think he's going to be able to push the ball downfield either. So, uh I'm I'm fading Miami. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens here to cover the three and a half at home. Yeah, I'm with you. This is going to be a tough test for the Miami defense. We're going to find out a lot about them, like you said, Jeff, because they've got Baltimore this week, Lamar Jackson, good arm, good runner. Uh, next week, they've got Buffalo with Josh Allen, good arm, good runner. The week after that, Cincinnati, the quarterback, Joe Burrow, good arm, good runner. And then they got San Francisco later down the in the season. Same thing. LA Chargers, same thing. So, uh, this is going to be a real test, I think. And uh, I, I do think, though, that uh, that 
Lamar Jackson alone uh, is enough to uh, to to boost this offense to where it needs to be. Uh, and 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 you're right, Mark Jack or uh, Mark Andrews is going to be a Mark Jackson. Mark Andrews is going to be a real problem for them, uh, matchup problem for them. Uh, hand down, man down. Uh, if you if you caught that joke, uh, look, I, I'm I'm all over the Ravens in this one. I think they're going to fly. I don't I don't think Tua was that great. And uh, my prop bet is in this game as well. So Ooh. how about that? What do you so got? I'm taking, the, I'm taking the Ravens uh, against the spread. Uh, I'm also going to go. Uh, I'm going to do the first quarter under at nine and a half. Um, so I'm going to take the first quarter Scotty, under. The... I just want you to know I love you for picking a first quarter under. I feel like so my degeneracy is rubbing off on you, and I'm really proud. A first quarter <laughs> under prop bet. God, I first love quarter. it. First quarter under is 14-3 and 1 in the Ravens last 18 games. So, 9 9 and a half I've seen it some places. Uh either way, I'm on the under uh, in the first quarter in this month. This is so I'm so proud. I don't know how to I'm screaming from ear to ear. This is a beautiful thing to hear. And Scotty, <laughs> I'll jump in that with you. Why not? I'll jump on that with you. Okay. And uh I'm on, I'm on the Ravens as well. Um I I really think that you know, I just believe in Lamar this year. I think he's going to have an incredible year. Um, he already got off to a hot start, like you said, without running. Once he gets both going, it's going to be impossible to defend this offense. Um, I think the Lions playing well enough, especially in the pass protection. He had some time, so I'm going to go ahead and take Baltimore to cover. All right. Uh, we're all on Baltimore, and that finishes up our 1 o'clock games. Uh, we will hit our 4 o'clock games, but before we do that, A quick word from our friends at Alliance Accounting. Football is finally back. And while you spend your week researching for your fantasy teams, assembling your feast for tailgates, and watching four straight days of football, you can binge watch football every week with the assurance that Alliance Accounting will have your back when it comes to all of your tax needs. Prep your waiver wire ads while Alliance preps your personal tax forms. Check the grill at your tailgate while Alliance checks for all available tax deductions and credits to score your maximum possible refund. Review and submit your fantasy lineups while Alliance accurately and thoroughly reviews your tax return and files it for you. Record all the great football memories you can while Alliance records your business and personal finances with their trusted bookkeeping services. The team at Alliance Accounting is here for you so that you can be there for your team. Don't wait. Contact Alliance today before the October filing extension deadline on October 17th. That's week six, folks. Have it marked down in your calendars, all right? Visit Alliance Accounting today online at allianceaccounting.com. That's allianceaccountng.com. Or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way all right quick break we'll come back we'll hit the four o'clock games as well as uh our our monday night games or sunday we got two monday night games this week and some college football picks to wrap up the pod on the other side all right the four o'clock window starts off with the atlanta falcons going cross country to play the los angeles rams right now the rams are a 10 point favorite at home Uh, There's going to be a lot of people who do not want to touch the Rams in this game, understandably so, after how they looked at Buffalo. But I definitely encourage people, there's a reason this line is set at 10 points. It's because the Rams are still a really good football team. Uh, I know the Falcons looked frisky in week one, but right off the bat, like my gut is telling me 
I, I kind of like the Rams, and I know that's a shitload of points, especially for a team that didn't look great in week one. Um, but again, we cannot get blinded by what we saw in week one. That's a big reason why I'm leaning towards the Colts. I picked the Colts earlier. Uh, so we'll start with you, Vito. Rams, Falcons, make the case one way or the other. So this is an interesting one because also you got to remember who they're playing now, right? The Bills high flying offense. Marcus Mariota does not like to risk the ball, right? Even going back to college when he played in Tennessee and, and the pros, both stops, really limiting interceptions has always been his game, protecting the ball, but not really taking risks. And I think this Rams defense, the secondary and the line especially, is going to be able to contain some of the problems they have. Grail Patterson, I think, is not going to blow up as much. Still have a good game, but – Man, I, I'm with you. I think I might actually take the 10. I mean, 10's a lot. I think Rams will win no matter what. You know, can Mariota get a last-second move down? I like Drake London. Kyle Pitts needs to get more involved or whatever, you know, in the game. But um, 10's a lot. But on the road, after you just got embarrassed after your banner drop ceremony, you know practice has been crazy this week for the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams covering the 10. And because of the fact that, again, I don't think Mariota is going to push the ball as much. And I think that defense is going to be able to contain – a lot of that Atlanta offense. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take, and take the Rams to cover. I'm with you, Vito, and you just proved Jeff, Jeff's point about the New Orleans defense uh, not being that great. So, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I think, I think they come out gangbusters. I don't think Atlanta's going to be able to move the ball as well unless Cordero Patterson can get as involved as he was last week, which I don't think he will. That line is just too stout for him to get through uh, for the Rams. So uh, I'm with you, man, and, and Cooper Cup's going to have a monster day. Uh, I feel like this is the game where everyone's going to be like, Matthew Stafford was fine. What were we worried about? Uh, because he's probably going to be up over 350. Uh, so, look, man, uh, this is going to this is just going to be the Rams coming out and uh, and blowing the doors off of uh, off of the Falcons here. I'm I'm with you at ten. Yeah, and what was that Cooper Cup stat that you told us in the break there, Scotty? Yeah, that Cooper Cup stat, uh, since the beginning of last season, Cooper Cup's receiving yards over is 17-5. and five. That's crazy. That's uh, wild. One, yep. And the, and no, the double-digit home favorites are 23-10-3 and 10 and 3 against the spread last season. That's my last note on the Rams coverage. Wow. No, I was just going to say, the only other thing on the, in the game, we talk about Cordero Patterson, we talk about Kyle Pitts. Watch for Bobby Wagner in this game. You know, he's experienced. He knows where to be, but, you know, he's not obviously as fast as he was. This is two incredible athletes he's going to be going up against, and uh, they're going to put him in some hard situations with high low reads. So uh, look look for Bobby Wagner's play. He could win this for the defense pretty easily if he gets a turnover off the play there. Well, I think this game starts and finishes with the offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons, who looked, you know, surprisingly good last week against New Orleans. Uh, but again, I think that says more about the New Orleans defensive front than it does about Atlanta's offensive line, which was the worst in the NFL last year. And now they have a whole heaping of, you know, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and all those guys coming after him there. Uh, I think Aaron Donald has a monster game. I think he single-handedly takes this game over from the interior defensive line. Uh, and I don't think the Falcons are going to be able to score much at all, even with Kyle Pitts or Cordero Patterson, who I know we all like Cordero Patterson. I know he's been a fun story. And the fact that he finally has a home here in Atlanta has been great. Uh, but you're going up against Aaron Donald, who's arguably the best defensive player of our lifetime. And uh, I, I just think the Rams are going to are going to fly here. Uh, and I don't love any. I mean, A.J. Terrell's solid, but it's Cooper Cup. Like Cooper Cup's going to get open at will. I also would sneaky love like an Allen Robinson play here if, if you're looking for mm. maybe some good odds. D 
didn't really do much in week one. Um, but we know how good he is. And I think first game in the new system, you know, the team's Thursday night, first game of the year might have been just he hasn't played in a lot of these big games in his career being stuck in Chicago for as long as he was. Uh, I like Allen Robinson to have a really solid day for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, all right, Scotty, let's go to your team here. The Seattle Seahawks traveling whoa, whoa. to your San Francisco 49ers. That was worded terribly. I know I did that <laughs> on purpose. Uh, the Niners are an eight and a half point favorite at home. And Scotty, you know, as well as anybody, the Seahawks have had y'all's number over the years. Um, Yeah, less so in San Francisco, but yes, you, I, I'm, I'm, Yes, you're right. They have, um, but they're they're not the same team either, right? Uh, this is going to be a tough, uh, tough team to run against in the 49ers defense. The Bears didn't do a whole uh, a whole lot on the ground. Uh, what they got out of most of their their run game was either with Justin Fields on scrambles or with Khalil Herbert uh, out of the backfield or catching the ball out of the backfield or David Montgomery at times. Um, so that's going to be a, a challenge for them because they're a, they're a true run team um I, I do think where they might find success is is where they slip by linebackers and and uh and expose the the secondary um so we'll see i mean it's 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 going to be a tough game i think it's going to be relatively low scoring actually uh, uh, uh real similar to uh to the monday night game we just saw um uh, what do we got uh, eight and a half at home I just can't do it. I'm going to take the Niners. Hey, you man. see, we signed we signed Marlon Mack on the practice squad with, uh, with Eli Mitchell out there. You go. So we got a veteran running back. <laughs> man, listen, eight and a half's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know, you know, the consistency that you guys have at the quarterback position. I I'm just. Uh, I know, I know that everything else is ready to go, and I think you guys could dominate Seattle. I just could see them making the most of their opportunities that they could against Trey Lance. This is tough. Eight and a half is a lot to cover. Seattle got their emotional win, though, last week. Um, I'm going to go San Fran, too, but just because I don't know what to do here. This, I think, is a pretty good line. I think it's got like a 7.8 point line is where it should be. It's a little high, but I just I don't think that that Seattle offense is going to have as good of a game and and have right think about this again there were two fumbles on the one yard line I don't think San Francisco is going to do that I think they have one maybe bonehead pick but I think you guys can do enough to to beat them I did not have taking Seattle twice to cover the spread in week one and week two on my NFL bingo board this year but that's <laughs> where I'm leaning right now um, I'm with you Scotty I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, and I think the case you made is one for someone who would take Seattle to cover the spread here. Uh, I didn't, we didn't learn anything about Trey Lance or San Francisco in week long week one. Well, that and, was the weather too. Exactly. Uh, and that's, that's why, that's why, like it's impossible for us to really tell that being said, I mean, Trey Lance, at could, home. Trey, Trey Lance could come out and, and light the world on fire and, and, you know, look fantastic and scramble around and make a ton of plays, or he can look like, you know, Justin Fields did last year, which is, hey, there's a couple of glimpses, but he's just not seeing the field. He's relying on his legs. He's panicked. Um, and I'm inclined to lean more towards the second, because anytime we saw Trey Lance last year, that's what it was. Um, I think if they want to really take this game over or at least really make the offense work, you have to feed Debo Samuel more. But also no George Kittle again this week. So no Kittle. 
Uh, offensive line didn't look great, but again, it's the weather game, so I'm not reading too much into it. You know, Vito, you said there too, like, hey, you know, Seattle could have lost by two touchdowns, and that would have been an easy – like, easily they could have lost by two touchdowns to Denver. But Denver also had an experienced, really good quarterback on their roster uh, and, and Russell Wilson. Uh, I have no idea what to make of it, and betting on an eight-and-a-half-point line for essentially what is a rookie quarterback um, – in a rivalry game. <laughs> in a rivalry game. That just seems like way too much. So I'm going to take the points um, and, and think that Seattle finds a way to keep it close. Uh, all right. Those were the 405 games, and we have three 425 games, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are traveling on the road to Dallas, a Dak Prescottless Dallas. And uh, Cincinnati's a seven point favorite on the road here. Uh, they're in desperate need of a big bounce back game. We have no idea what to expect out of the Cowboys without Dak. We saw what they looked like with Dak and it didn't look good. Um, the one good thing that Dallas has going for them is Micah Parsons going up against that offensive line. Um, but I feel like Joe Burrow is going to be able to come in and have a pretty strong day. Just a matter of whether or not you guys think he can cover the spread by a full touchdown uh, against uh, an objectively pretty bad Dallas Cowboys team. I think Joe Burrow could cover. I think he came out, right? What I loved about him last week, right? He threw like two interceptions right away that weren't good. He threw another one. He doesn't even seem like he knows that he threw an interception. He comes right back out and just slings it. That guy, I don't care if he gets sacked. I don't care if he gets strip sacked by Micah Parsons blitzing. He's going to come right back out there and do the same exact thing, and I love him for that. Um, I think he's going to cover. I think this could be, this could be the moment where – Cowboy fans really start slamming the panic button, just freaking out about what are we going to do? Um, they already are, but I think this is the game where it's like, man, the Bengals did that to us, you know, and like Bengals are a great team, but you just, you need to be able to compete in, in, in the NFL right now. If you can't score points, unless you're, you know, it's, I don't even know who even good defensive teams seems like have a balanced offense. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and take you the Bengals to cover. This is tough uh, for me because uh, in fantasy, I'm relying on Cincinnati, and that means we need big days out of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who I think are going to be the ones that uh, that will benefit uh, the most. I think you know Jamar Chase has a decent shot of running all over that secondary, uh, and the only person that might be able to cover him safe for Travion Diggs is, is Michael Parsons. Uh, but and, and barring any of that, I think the offense is way too potent uh, look, e even as as good as the the Tampa Bay offense is, uh, Michael Parsons proved he can get to anyone uh, against any offensive line. Uh, so good, bad, or ugly, it's it's Mike is going to get his. Uh, but the resiliency that Joe Burrow showed uh, in Week One and you know throughout the the stretch run last year uh, as well just proves to me that that he's ready to go in and sling the ball and 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 ask for permission and. Uh, or or ask for forgiveness and not and not permission there, um. So, uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, uh, touchdown. I, I would even go as far as ten on this one. Uh, I think Cincinnati's going to roll. Uh, I'm with you both. I'm taking Cincinnati here big. Uh, the only concern I have for Cincinnati is going to be whether or not T Higgins played because, you know, obviously we all love Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase still ended up having a great day even without Higgins. But Higgins takes that offense from pretty solid to one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, 
Diggs, I think, is still one of the most overrated players in the NFL. Um, really, really solid, talented corner. Um, but he's not Darrell Revis like people like to make him out to be. Uh, and I think the offensive line has a better day than they did last week. Um, obviously, going up against Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Highsmith and all those guys, uh, Miles Jack on blitzes and whatnot that Pittsburgh threw at them was a lot. The Cowboys, you got to worry about, you know, Micah Parsons, and that's pretty much it. I know Demarcus Lawrence is still there, but for all just being honest, Demarcus Lawrence is not the guy uh, he once was, and he hasn't been for a couple of seasons now. Uh, no Jaron Curse, one of their starting safeties for the Cowboys out. Uh, Michael Gallup practiced a little bit this week, limitedly, but he's still doubtful. There's nothing to look at this Cowboys team and make you think, oh, yeah, they're going to have a shot to win this game or to even keep it close. And I'm not betting against Joe Burrow after a, a, a loss like that. Like, if anything, I feel like that loss against Pittsburgh lit a fire in Cincinnati. And, it, I mean, it would for me. It would for me as a fan. It would for me as a player on that team, as a coach. And I think they're going to come out and make a statement against a really banged up team that already didn't look good when they were healthy going into it. Um, and not to mention there's yet another offensive lineman who's who's banged up for the Cowboys as well. So I think, you know, we, we talked about it a lot during the Super Bowl run, but, you know, Trey Hendricks or Hendrickson um, looked really, really good for them. And Sam Hubbard, or is it Sam Hubbard? Yeah, I think it's Sam Hubbard. The other defensive lineman so. yeah. for them yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, looked really, really good. The outside linebacker, rather, uh, who who they send on pressure a lot, looked good for them last year as well. And I think they're going to have opportunities this week uh, going up against, you know, Jason Peters at, at age 85. So uh, I'm taking Cincinnati to cover here, uh, and we're all, all on the Cincinnati train. Uh, we got two more in the 4 o'clock window. We have the Houston Texans taking on your Denver Broncos. Uh this line is another one that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Denver is a 10-point favorite at home. So, Vito, make the case for your boys. I mean, I think it's a similar deal. It's like, all right, you had this emotional game. You're out there. Russell had obviously a lot to deal with. We had a lot of mistakes. I think we clean that up. I think we come out. Houston's defense is better than it was last year. It's still not great. Um, I think we'll be able to have our way a little bit with them on that side of the ball. Then flip it around. You know, I, this offense uh, uh, that they've had, um, Davis Mills is not terrible. Um, it's just one of those names, right, that as you see, you're like, ah, oh, Davis Mills, it's not, you know, it's the Texans. They're pretty bad, all that. Yeah, they are, but, you know, they're they're not awful. I, I do like that. I believe this game's at home, right, for in Denver, uh, my line. Uh, it is, yes. Yes, and so and, – and that's really why, right? I think we're, you know, neutral field. We're a touchdown favorite home. You know, we get 10. Um, listen, I, I'm going to take Denver just because I think Russell Wilson's going to come out here. I think we're going to light them up and, and on the offensive side of the ball. And I think defensively, I think we actually like, I'll say this last, I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to think back now again. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm, I don't have my stats in front of me, but I don't even think we generated a turnover in that game. And, and with this defense, I really think we're going to, um, you know, we get one turnover and start lighting them up. We can run the ball out, right? We can run games out in Denver, and that's what I'm excited to see with Javante Williams. Um, you know, some play-action boots with Russell, which we already saw a couple of those. I really, really, really think that we're going to blow the doors off of them after that, that close loss, and uh, and we're going to go ahead and take it. I am, uh, I'm actually with you there, Vito. Uh, Jonathan Taylor ran for 160 yards, and once they started really finding a way to work the ball against tech, the Texans last week, uh, Indianapolis was able to throw it. And I think right off the bat between Javante and Melvin Ingram or yeah, Melvin Gordon, 
Uh, Denver's going to be able to run the football, and then that's going to give Russ opportunities to work play action and and attack this you know Houston team. Uh, I think Houston, you know, kind of again similar to what we were saying before, kind of like you know punched out of their weight class a little bit and and hung around with a, with a really solid Indianapolis team. And I think Denver, especially coming off of that, I think Denver realizes like, hey, that game was a lot. Their head coach is getting, you know, just shit on all week across media. Uh, I think the Broncos come out hot and I think they cover. Uh, I like Denver to cover the 10 points this week at home. Yeah, I don't I don't see a world in which they don't. I mean, the, the credit to Davis Mills and, and the the emotional uh, roller coaster that was the 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 end of that game, keeping them in it. But their biggest weapons on offense besides Davis Mills were O.J. Howard and the one big catch from Brandon Cooks. And that's it. Uh, O.J. Howard had a big game because that's the weakest part of the Colts' defense. So I think the the Broncos linebackers, who, by the way, didn't play very good in the Monday night game, uh, but I think this is where they they figure out, hey, we we have a, a really good uh, a really good tight end that we got to cover. And we played like garbage uh, against uh, two really uh, mediocre tight ends last week. Uh, so th- I think this is where they pick it up and become uh, the cohesive part of that of that defense uh, to to make them a really elite unit uh, uh, across the board on defense uh, for the Broncos. And then I think on offense they they just let Russ go, just let him go. I mean they got like really conservative uh, in that Seattle game, and and a lot of that was was the atmosphere and the emotion and the fact that it was. Nathaniel Hackett's first game. So uh, I think you just like at some point realize what's in front of you, what you've got and just let them go play. I agree. I'm just excited. There's nothing like coming off of a week one loss and having the Texans on your schedule. So let's just get the dub. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think they will. I think they will. Uh, I think they'll they'll clean up some of the small mistakes. I think they'll look good. Last of the four o'clock windows, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Wow, that's Cardinals. The Cardinals. There's no gardens in Arizona. (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals uh, going up against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas right now. The Raiders are a five and a half point favorite. Um, Arizona has to bounce back, but I'll tell you what, guys, I have a lot of doubts as to whether they can or not. And I know when you play Kansas City and it's Week One, you get your Doors blowing off. It's so easy to write off of a write off a team, but that defense is bad. They love their. I love the safeties in Arizona. I hate the cornerbacks, which is going to be a huge problem for Devontae Adams. Uh, and then I think that opens up stuff for Waller. It opens up stuff for Hunter Renfro. Uh, and the Raiders have a really really good defensive line. Uh, it's pretty much the only big strength of that defense. And Arizona's offensive line is was graded as one of the worst in the NFL after Week One. And I don't see an avenue where they get much better. So uh, I'm leaning pretty heavy on the Raiders here, uh, but I'm curious to hear what you guys what you guys think. What's the what's, what's the line? Spread Sorry, right now the Raiders are a five and a half point favorite at home. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: Devontae Adams. I'm really excited with him and Carr this season. I, I think this is going to be an incredible uh, pairing for the next couple of years. The the one thing that I am uh, also looking at. You mentioned that defensive line. Chandler Jones going back to Arizona. I think it's going to have an absolute day. Or I guess Arizona coming to him. I think he's going to have an absolute day. Um, I that think is that a big Chandler Raiders, Jones thing. Like I can so see that Chandler Jones yeah. is ripping up his old team. Yes, and and just making uh, statements about all that stuff. He's going to say something about Kyler after, and he's going to like sack him with one hand and throw him to the ground and make a joke about it or something, right? Like I think that this this Arizona offense will definitely look better. I think it'll be closer that's why covering what was it you said four and a half 
five and a half. Five and a half. I think the Raiders can still cover that. Um, and and uh, I'd have them by about a touchdown. Um, Arizona just – they've got issues. And, and until Hopkins comes back, I just don't think they have the firepower on the offensive side or, to your point, the pressure. Oh, we lost your audio there, Vito. Well, we can't hear Vito. We're gonna effort oh, to get no. the rest of Vito's, uh, <laughs> the rest of Vito, what he was saying there. But uh, Scott, Scotty, if you want to take over, yeah, I just there's nothing to it, man. the The Cardinals are not good uh, uh, against the spread. They're they've I think they've lost seven of their last ten games against the spread. And they got worse. Uh, I think Kyler Murray's going to be running around for his life. Hey, this might be the game that he gets injured. It might not be week 10. It might be week two. Uh, so uh, like, I, it's, it, it just seems like a, a difficult task to throw to him. Um, I think you're going to have to depend a lot on short outs. Uh, John, James Conner out of the backfield. Zach Ertz when you can find him over the middle. Uh, but other than that, I mean, unless you can exploit uh, that and, and get some good chunk yardage after the catch out of it, I, I don't see their offense moving uh, the ball that well. Yeah. And if you're if you're Arizona, honestly, just play shell coverage and keep Devontae Adams in front of you as best you can and let him get his and, and guard everyone else. Uh, but the fact that they have Hunter Renfro and Dar- Darren Waller to worry about in that in that uh, Vegas offense uh, leads me to believe that there will there will be too many bites at the apple for uh, for the Raiders offense. And uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take them. Uh, I think we have Vito back. Vito. Scotty finished up a lot of my points, so uh, I think I think we're good here. But can, you guys can hear me. We're good. Yep, we got you. Sweet. Um, awesome. Uh, and you're taking the Raiders as well. All right. So we we are all, all on three or four out of the last five games we've picked: the Rams, Cincy, Denver, and uh, the Raiders. Let's see. That's if bad news can... for you boys. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> uh, or it's bad news in you and getting back in the standings. Um, if, if we all go down, we all go down together. Uh, all right, let's see if that trend continues here with the Chicago Bears going to Lambeau Field Sunday night football in Green Bay. Seems like first couple weeks of the season, we always have a Sunday night Bears Packers game. Uh, Green Bay is a 10 point favorite after a rough showing in Minnesota. Uh, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts um, because, again, I don't know what to make of the Bears still after week one. I, there's nothing that we learned from that game other than, you know, Justin Fields, at least, you know, the competitive juices of Justin Fields, which I think was awesome. Um, but other than that, I don't really think we know much uh, about it. And obviously Green Bay didn't look good, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. And you have to believe that they're going to look better in week two than they did in week one. And he owns Chicago. Uh, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers. I just think that until, you know, they get dethroned, even though it's 10 points, it's at home, it's Sunday night, they're coming off a loss. I think he's going to have a, a hell of a game, Aaron Rodgers, that is, and come to the press conference and, and you know, do a sideline uh, interview and kind of a smug smile, just being like, yeah, I told you guys, you know, this is, or last year was the relaxed thing. I'm sure there's going to be something this year. I, I'll take Aaron Rodgers covering the points, even though it seems ridiculous. Um, I, I reserve the right to change my pick if it is a monsoon again for Justin Fields and the Bears in Green Bay this time, but that's about it. Yeah, look, <laughs> you said it, Vito. Until until he proves he can't, I I, I still don't see that this team is going to be that bad. The only question mark I have is, uh, can even as bad as the the 
the Bears' offensive line looks uh, this year. They played pretty decent against uh, against the 49ers. Now, granted, uh, there were some some plays where or a lot of plays where where Nick Bosa and uh, and the boys were getting after um, were getting after Justin Fields, but by and large, that offensive line looked better. I thought than uh, than I expected, and in in that weather too. So uh, if, if the Packers' pass rush did not look great. Um, if they can clean that up uh, on 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 good ground on their home turf and and uh, and get after the quarterback a little bit, I think that's where the the uh, the uh, the last maybe three or four or, uh, uh, points of that ten comes from. Aaron Rodgers is also twenty one and seven against the spread versus the Bears. I'm not touching that record, man. Like it's Aaron Rodgers all day. I don't like that we're all on the same page again, but I think we're all going to be on the same page again. There's a part of me that thinks that there's a chance this game gets is close. And if maybe if Green Bay had won big in week one, I would I would flirt with this. But um, Matt LaFleur is a really, really good football coach and everything they've come out of there. It's not just Rodgers that this is that, you know, week one was uh, representative of. It was also Matt LaFleur. And I think that they have to bounce back hard in this game. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to get them there. And I think it ends up being our first primetime blowout of the year. Uh, and I think that the, the uh, I guess technically, I guess Sunday night football and Thursday night football last week were both blowouts. So maybe the trend continues rather. Uh, but I like the Packers, all of us on Green Bay uh, bouncing back. And that takes us to our Monday night double header. We'll start off with the earlier game, 715 on ESPN. Titans at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is a 10-point favorite at home. This is the fourth of the uh, double-digit spreads this week. Um, Mike Vrabel always gets his guys up for big games. It's a Monday night game. Buffalo will have been off for about 15 days. or Sorry, 13 days. I had my did not have my math right. Um, that's a long time. That's a long time in between games. Uh, it's a Monday night game. Things can get weird. I think Buffalo wins it, but I do think that this game's going to be closer than people think. How do you guys see this one shaking out? For me, it, this is the one that I, if I was to go against that home team, this might be the one because to your point, I, I like Tennessee. I like their defense. Bud Dupree, I'm still in love with, even since he was in the Steelers and he, he showed up already in week one. He's looking like a leader of that defense, um, you know, on the offensive side, listen, you know, you got to get, you got to get Derrick Henry going. I think Buffalo, the one thing is that defense is incredible. The offense is incredible. They look bulletproof, man. They really do. So it's really going to come down to, will Josh Allen finally make some mistakes? I'm not going to – I don't think I can bet against him. I'm going to take the Bills to cover at home. It's a wild line, but I, I think I got to go with it until until they mess up this season. They just – the end of last year and this year, that offense looks insane and the defense looks great too. All right, one for Buffalo. For you, Scotty? Tennessee is three. They've won three out of their last four games against the spread, uh, That where the spread is double digits. Uh, so, I, look, this is going to be a tough environment on the road, uh, primetime in Buffalo against a team coming off a ridiculously good week one where everybody's saying uh, they're the best team in the AFC. Hands down, number two's not even close. Uh, and, and so that, to me... Proves that there's an expectation. Can the Bills live up to it? I think if there's a team in the NFL uh, that can have that rhetoric uh, around them, the, it, it would be the Bills uh, right now. Chiefs being the other one, I think. Uh, but let's not anoint them yet, okay? Uh, 
like I said, the three of the last four uh, games in double-digit spreads, uh, Tennessee is one. I'm going to take the Titans on the road here. I'm with you, Scotty. I'm going to take Tennessee here. I think Buffalo wins the game, um, but I do think Tennessee finds a way to win this one um, uh, or cover the spread cover. here, yeah. I should say. Um, yeah, I just – Mike Vrabel, man. It's, it's just you come off of a bad week one loss – you know how that team operates. They find ways to to stay in weird games and flying high after a big win. Everyone's already anointing them the best team in football. Uh, I do think they're probably the best team in football, and I do think there's a chance they blow out Tennessee by 21 points. But I, I think this is going to be a close game, uh, and, and I think Tennessee is going to keep it close, but I, I think Buffalo wins it by about a touchdown. They score late in the fourth quarter uh, and, and kind of cement uh, the deal there. All right, last game. Monday night, Joe Buck, Aikman on the call. The Minnesota Vikings coming to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Right now, the Eagles are a two-point favorite at home. Uh, I am very excited for this game, not just as an, as an Eagles fan. I'm mortified of this game. Uh, but yeah. as a football fan, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I want you guys to go first because I have not been able to bring myself to have a comfortable read of this game yet, and I'm curious as to what you guys think of it. I'm I'm worried about the Eagles' defense against this Vikings' offense. Uh, it's really what it comes down to. I, I don't know, you know, what the Eagles have to do is what they. The good news is right. The way to handle an offense like this feeds right into what the Eagles want to do: run the ball with multiple weapons. Right, one of them being your quarterback. You know, make some open throws. Have really drag out the game in terms of well, not drag out, run the ball and and make that clock keep running limit the amount of possessions that the Vikings have. The thing is, Dalvin Cook's still probably top five back in the NFL. Justin Jefferson is probably a top five receiver. I think it's pretty easy to say, actually, at this point. And, uh, and you know, now you're looking at the Eagles. Can they match the firepower? Can the defense hold up, create a turnover, do something? Can they make Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins, you know? And uh, if they can do that, they can win. Listen, I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually, Jeff, I'm going to be I'm going to be there. I'm excited. Can't Hell wait yeah. to go see this thing. Yeah, and uh, and you know, I'm I'm gonna take the Eagles because I'm gonna be there cheering for the Eagles. I don't want to I don't want to be sitting there thinking, well, I don't want that Eagles all the way. Um, I think there's something magical about home game Monday night. Um, you know, just just something special about that, especially for Jalen. He looks there's something different about him. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I've been paying a lot more attention, but. I'm I'm just starting to believe in just the winning attitude that he has. And this is the opposite of the Kirk Cousins effect, right? Kurt's always had the stats, couldn't pull it out at the end. I'm going to go with the quarterback that I believe can win it at the end, and that's Jalen. And it's going to come down to the lines, right? The 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 offensive line for, for Philadelphia. I know, super take, right? The the offensive line for Philadelphia, uh, and that the way the defensive line played uh for Minnesota against Green Bay and, and a really decent offensive line there. Um I think Philadelphia is obviously a, a better offensive line than than Green Bay is, but still, the the way Zadarius uh, Smith was able to get to uh, get through the line and bust through the line and get to the quarterback um, made made a ton of difference. And then, you know, the 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 way that the Eagles played in the secondary against uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark, I worried me a little bit, and I think that that could be. Uh, a, a real magnifying glass for the game and could get exposed with the receiving core of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So uh, 
that's where my money is, is on uh, uh, on the top receiver in the league. That seems to be the trend. So I'm going with Minnesota here to cover the spread. Uh, I think I think both are, are excellent. It's interesting. Both quarterbacks in this game, not great in primetime games historically. Um, I think the Eagles offense – now, Green Bay was missing both starters on the left side of their offensive line. Uh, so I think the Minnesota defensive line in the front there, obviously Zedaria Smith and, and Daniel Hunter make a, a huge difference. But I do think the Eagles offensive line is significantly better than Green Bay's. Uh, and, and I think they'll be able to run the ball really effectively because that was one thing that Green Bay was able to do throughout the game was they actually ran the ball pretty well. And I think with Jalen's ability to scramble and everything, that's going to help. Um, I'm I'm worried about Justin Jefferson. Obviously, you'd be crazy not to. But we also have Darius Slay, who I think is one of the top five cornerbacks in the NFL. So at least you know you're going to have somebody competent on them. Uh, for me, the biggest question on the defense is going to be Jonathan Gannon, who uh, his personnel, the substitutions, everything he made. I mean, it was just it was crazy that, you know, Tua Pelotu, uh, Marlon Tua Pelotu had more snaps than Jordan Davis in week one. Yeah. Uh, when Jordan Davis was a one man wrecking crew and stopping the run and was getting triple teamed constantly. The linebacker play for the Eagles was really solid, uh, but they were the worst tackling team in the NFL in week one. So my guess is they got some of that out of the system. I think the Eagles, my heart really wants to pull for the Eagles. Um, but I'm I'm worried about Jalen on a national stage because on primetime games, he's not played well. That goes back to college even. Um, and I, this is a huge, huge prove-it moment for Jalen Hurts this year. The Eagles have also not won on uh, this in week two since 2016, uh, which is not a great track record for the Birds. However, I think there's a really good chance that they get it done. Um, honestly, I went into this thinking I was going to pick Minnesota uh, because I don't like to pick the Eagles in games that I'm worried about, but uh, we're going to rock with Philly fly Eagles fly. They're going to cover the spread. Uh, and my prop bet of the week is the over in this game. Uh, right now it's set at 50 and a half. And I think the Eagles and Vikings both combined, both offenses are going to put up a lot of points here. Uh, I think we finished with a, with an electric game. I think it's going to be a really, really good football game. Uh, between two of the better teams in the NFC. And I think the Eagles pulled out at home on Monday night football, uh, which Love scares the living shit out of me that I just made that pick. <laughs> um, all right. That does it for our uh, NFL picks. Let's run through our college picks and get you guys off for the weekend as uh, we have Thursday night football coming up tonight. Reminder to everybody it's on Amazon prime tonight. So please do yourselves a favor though. I guess by the time you're listening to this, it already happened. And uh, that was probably useless on my part. So, uh, but but if you're freaking out because last night you couldn't get Prime loaded, we got some boys with you. So yes. we were thinking about you ahead of time. Yes. We'll just say uh, that. <laughs> I was stressing to try to figure that out uh, right before we hopped on uh, Zoom because I procrastinated and said, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And then today came and I hadn't figured it out yet. Uh, all right. Starting off here, we're going to start with your boys. Penn State football going to Jordan Air Stadium. In Auburn, they're a three-point favorite on the road against the Auburn Tigers. How are we feeling going into Saturday, boys, and uh, what's the play? I'm confident. You confident, Scotty? Yeah. I mean, stop the run. They can't. Auburn can't, and that's why we're going to win the game. We're just going to be centered around the run. Uh, we're going to be up by a million in the in the third, and Drew Drew is going to come in and throw 500 yards by himself. No, I'm kidding. Realistically, look, the, the run game is really going to win this game uh, for Penn State. And you talk about betting stats. Penn State's 
uh, an NC2A best 14-3-1 against the spread in the month of September. I'm on the Lions. I think it's the same deal running game. I really like last week Franklin's um, game plan was, even though it was against Ohio, right, was to put Drew Allar in a series in the second, a series in the third. He ended up saying, screw the second. By the time he got to third, he said, let him play. That was Ohio. I, I really do believe we might see the same thing where we're going to see a, a series given to Drew Allar in the second or maybe in the third and or something like that just to see what he's got. I think that might happen, and I think that will actually help break up the team. Uh, you know, the rotation at running back is going to happen, so don't be surprised. But Singleton's been the the, the breakout player. Um, if he can get 15 touches, I think we win this game. I'm going to rock with you guys. I'm going to rock with Penn State. Um, All right. Man, I hate the, that. <laughs> um, I mean, trust me, I, I heavily considered <laughs> taking uh, Auburn. I think it's going to be a close game. I think, look, Auburn remembers the game in Happy Valley last year. Uh, they're, you know, those fans in Auburn don't get a Big Ten team coming to their house all that often. So I think Jordan Harris is going to be rocking. Uh, but this is a team in Auburn that's had a lot of turmo- uh, turmoil over the last couple of years. Um, and uh, Brian Harson, I think, is a good coach, but that, you know, backing group there in Auburn is insane. And it's a it's a bitch to try to play against those guys. So uh, I, I like Penn State. I think they're better on the offensive line. Uh, I think they have the better running back. I think they have the better quarterback, uh, though I do like TJ Finley. Um, but I'm going to take Penn State here. I think this is a huge game for the Nittany Lions. And uh, I think your boys go to Jordan Hare and do it on the road and jolt themselves up into the top 15 after uh, after week's end. Um, all right, we're all on Penn State. Next up, another Big Ten team, the Michigan State Spartans going out west to take on Washington. Washington, sneaky 2-0. Neither team has played anyone uh, of consequence yet, but <laughs> I will say in their two games, uh, Washington is looking really, really good. They're averaging 48 points per game. Uh, averaging almost 600 total yards of offense through two games. Uh, and uh, Heward, who's their quarterback, son, or, uh, nephew of Brock Heward, my old buddy from uh, ESPNU, uh, he's looked really, really good. But neither team has really played anybody. Um, Michigan State's played Akron uh, and Western Michigan. And I don't even know who PRST, uh, Portland State, I believe is who Washington played, and then Kent Correct. State they played. Uh, they give up 20 points to Kent State in week one. Uh, I really like Michigan State. I think Peyton Thorne is one of the quarterbacks that has not been talked about enough this year um, because everything about Michigan State last year was all Kenneth Walker. Peyton Thorne has, was sneakily really solid for them and made a bunch of big plays when they needed it. And uh, I think Michigan State's defense is a step above what we've seen from uh, Washington. So I'm going to take Sparty here to cover the three and a half on the road because Washington state being a three and a half point favorite at home uh, against the number 11 team in the country uh, seems like a lot. Scotty's wagging his finger at me like the Kenby Matumbo. So <laughs> no, no, no. This is the Michael Penix revenge game, baby. I forgot. This Michael is... Penix. Oh, yeah, he's the Washington quarterback now, formerly of Indiana. Yeah. Damn uh, who transfer got the... portal who got their butt kicked twice by uh, Michigan State when he was the quarterback. Uh, that notwithstanding, I, I like what you said about the Michigan State offense. They they're, they look better than I thought they would be after after what they had lost. Peyton Thorne is, is a real uh, mainstay. But look, Michigan State has not covered a regular season game versus a Pac-12 opponent dating back to 2008. They're 0-5 in the regular season against those Pac-12 opponents. Go Huskies. 
So they're due, Scotty. So they're due. They're going to go out there and definitely uh, listen. Washington, I think, is a good team. I like what you said, Jeff. They're on the way, but Michigan State's going to go out there and cover. I have Michigan State going and winning that game, covering those points. Well, I, I, they're they're underdogs. I think they'll they'll actually win the game. Like I would I would say they're the super dog if we're doing that kind of pick. They, you know what I mean? They're I think they're going to go out there and really challenge and win. Also, I can't I can't bet on Washington. I'm a Cougs guy. You know, I'm a Cougs. <laughs> Oh, I love it, Clay Thompson. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited for this game. It's one of the night games that we'll have, uh, seven thirty kickoff there. Uh, I will say too, Washington, sneakily one of the hardest places to play in the country. Uh, a lot of people kind of throw them as an afterthought, whatever. They think it's a you know smart kind of bougie school. Oh, people show up on their boats. You know, it's one of those schools that you know you can tailgate on on a boat. Um, but I'll mm. tell you. But I, I'll tell you what, man, I know from uh, I have I, I know a lot of people who've played in that building. Uh, I know a lot of people who've lost in that building, including uh, one Ryan Leaf, who, who shared some of these stories on this podcast about just how hard it is to play in Husky Stadium. Uh, so I, I like Washington a lot, but I like yeah. Michigan a little bit more. Uh, next up here, top 25 matchup. We have two of them this week. First one. BYU at Oregon. BYU coming off of a double overtime thriller against Baylor uh, and the Oregon Ducks one and one after getting their doors blown off by Georgia in week one. Uh, this game is in Eugene and Oregon is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, when in doubt, I typically say, hey, college kids get an emotional big win. They go out and they party and they enjoy it all and they're drinking I'm not sure how much of that's happening at BYU. I feel kind of confident that BYU is going to come in and win this game outright, and I'm getting three and a half points. I'm leaning towards the Cougs, uh, but you guys tell me what y'all think. It's tough to bet against the Coug, you know? It's just tough, but I, I'm going to go just ahead and go. BYU, with... Just ask Zach Wilson, man. Yeah. I mean, God, I love that he went there. Um, no, I, I really do. Uh, I think Eugene is a special place to play. You talk about you know a tough environment. They are as well up there. I really love Oregon. I think that Georgia, yes, they they went out and crushed Oregon. <laughs> Georgia, I think it's a little different. I, I think this is really Oregon's game to say, you know what? Hey, we're not that team that we just got stomped by what could end up being the national champions again. Uh, you know, I, I really think Oregon, this is their bounce back game. I think they end up uh, winning, and, and I do think they can cover that. Uh, it's going to be close, but I'm going to go ahead and bet on the Ducks. <sighs> Man, you're over in college, um, so I really don't want to bet with you, but I, I am with you. Uh, look, thanks it's, thanks it's for reminding me, Scotty. No, you're welcome. Good. I love you, man. Uh, look, BYU is going to be <laughs> tough. They they just beat a Baylor team on the road, uh, a Baylor team who was ten and three in their last thirteen against the spread. Uh, and, and so BYU rolling into Autzen Stadium, uh, like you said, Jeff, they're not going to be. Uh, they, they probably didn't do a whole lot of drinking because they can't. Uh, so uh, it's it's going to be a tough place to play. Um, and Oregon really needs this. Uh, I feel like more than more than BYU does. Uh, if if we're if we're playing favorites, I'm with. Uh, I'm gonna ride with the Ducks. Quack quack. How about Scotty taking two Pac-12 teams back to back? I know. Um, I, I got to go check myself for COVID. Uh, and in your defense too, in Vito's defense, he is one in six in college. He did get one right in week zero. Oh, sorry, sorry, Vito. I, Give I, the man I, credit I, where it's due. I cheated uh, you a see, I didn't even know I got one right. So thank you. Uh, all right, two more games here in college. This one I'm very excited about. Uh, University of Texas coming off of a big 
uh, loss, if you can say that, but a really, really tight game against fucking Alabama. Um, no one expected that. Number 21 team in the country. It was good enough to get them there. They're taking on UTSA, who uh, through two weeks has one hard-fought win against uh, – or one hard-fought loss against Houston and then a hard-fought win last week. Uh, I like UTSA to cover. Right now, Texas is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home, uh, and I think there's going to be a little bit of – you know, I don't even know how you how you feel after a game like that against Alabama. Um, I don't know how much of that hangs over your head. We saw that happen to Texas last year with the Kansas game and with the Red River rivalry when they uh, blew that lead against Oklahoma and it kind of just hung over them for the rest of the season. I expect them to be better. I do think they'll win this game. Uh, But UTSA, Jeff Trailer is a fantastic head coach. I've been praising UTSA all year. We picked one of their games in week one. I'm going to pick the Roadrunners to cover the 12 and a half here. Um, Basically just going to take the points there, but I do think Texas wins the football game. I'm right in line with you, Jeff. UTSA is an impressive team. I'm excited they're going to have the opportunity to play for, you know, all these other fans really that probably won't watch their game unless, right, they're playing Texas. Um, I think they'll play them tough. I do think Texas will handle this. I think it may be a late cover by UTSA, but I think that team is a lot better than people think. I think Texas gets out to a hot start and then slows down. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, Trevor Harmonson's going to have a big game tackling. Uh, he's he's going to have a tough assignment against B. John Robinson getting in the second level, too. Uh, so uh, I expect him to run all over the place, especially with Quinn Ewers not being in the game. Uh, I like Texas in this one. They they need a bounce back. They do, and that that is a good point. I mean, it's arguably the best running back in the country in B. John Robinson. Uh, going up against, you know, a group of five team. And uh, the I'll tell you what, the offensive line for Texas looked pretty damn good going up against Will Anderson uh, and that Alabama front. So I, I don't expect they'll have a ton of trouble with UTSA, but I think the defense uh, for Texas is going to have trouble containing the offense of UTSA because I do think UTSA and their quarterback is that good. Uh, last game here, the last uh, top 25 matchup of the two that we have, University of Miami going to College Station, Texas A&M coming off of a bad loss to App State. A&M is a six-point favorite. How are we feeling, Scotty? Ooh, um, Texas A&M is hurting right now, uh, and they're going to be hurting more after they lose by a touchdown. Tyler Van Dyke and the boys are going to roll into College Station and hand Texas A&M their second straight loss. The U is back, and it's Miami rolling a hurricane into College Station. Wow. Uh, I am going to fade you on that one. I'm taking A&M. Big bounce back week, I think, for A&M. I think knowing Jimbo, the kind of coach he is, the kind of coach he's been over the course of his career, he doesn't take, you know, losses like that kindly. Uh, And anytime they have had a bad loss under Jimbo, they typically have bounced back pretty strong. Uh, there's no match up, you know, like uh, Miami will is getting better. And the Mario Cristobal effect has already been seen through two weeks, but there, there is no comparison when it comes to the fronts, uh, both offensive line and defensive line for Texas A&M compared to Miami. I love Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's one of the most fun quarterbacks in, in college football. Um, but I, I really like this team in Texas A&M to have a big bounce back week. Uh, and it's a six-point favorite. I think this game could get out of hand. I think this could be one of those letdown top 25 games that we seemingly get all the time. Uh, Vito, what about you? Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I think it's an absolute comeback game. It's it's that bounce-back game for AM. They're going to cover. I think they could also blow out. This could be one of the ones where we're like, man, 
is AM really, really good? Like what, what happened here? You know what I mean? Is and I think it's really gonna be an interesting um next two months to follow how their rankings develop, you know, as they keep bouncing back and getting wins. Cause I think they're a good team. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on the read option. Uh another great weekend of football is coming. Get it all over yourself, as my friend Mark Packer says. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this Thursday night game tonight. By the time you're listening, you will know. Uh, so again, another opportunity for you guys to make fun of us uh, or, uh, you know, call us geniuses, whatever you're feeling that day. So uh, for the boys, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. We love you as always. Rate, review, subscribe, show the pod to somebody else that uh, maybe doesn't know it. I know we've had some new listeners lately, so welcome. And thank you guys for joining the show. And we will talk to you guys on Tuesday with even more football content. We are officially, after week two, it's almost like what we say, Scotty, when we go golfing, right? You crack the first beer after the second hole because you're in you're in the, the round at that point. Football works the same way. Once you're past week two, you're in the thralls of it. And uh, that's where we're at here uh, with football season fully underway. Have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.